Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Hey, y'all. I'm great. Thank you for asking. I love what we do. Um, I, I love what we do. I love the heart of this church. And if you're brand new, then what does that mean? It means that we, we just have a heart. We just want to be givers. And so we do all kinds of things all year long uh, with, with local elementary schools and, and actually housing homeless people here. We, we do tons and tons of things. And we don't really publicize that because um, I'm weird, I guess. And you know what? I just don't know that that's just something you just, I don't know, brag about or whatever, I guess. But I'm really proud of who we are and what we do. And even this year, you've been given uh, these cool little invite cards. How many of you have been getting the invite cards? If you, if you, yeah, God will get you if you don't. If you hadn't invited 10 people right now, I mean, like, all your hair's going to fall out. Mark, Mark had a full, full head of hair when he came in here. He forgot to invite somebody, and I'm just saying. Um, I just made that up. <clears throat> You're surprised. You thought that was for real. So, so this is really cool. And so we want to invite people to be here, especially Christmas Eve, because Christmas Eve is going to be a special time. And if you haven't been to a Christmas Eve service, wow. First off, let me tell you, get here early. Don't wait to the last minute because this place will be packed. It'll be packed both services. And the thing that I love is it's packed with, with people that maybe um, have ever been to church before. And statistic after statistic after statistic will show that people that are totally in church will come to Christmas Eve. That's, that's the biggest service of the year for them that they'll attend. And so that's one of the reasons that we do it, quite honestly, is we want to do everything we can to reach as many people as we can. And we're not trying to reach the people in the church across the street or the people down the street in another church. And we're just trying to reach folks that don't go to church. That's our heart. That's who we want to reach. And so we give you these cool invite cards, and we ask that you, uh, that you invite some of your friends, people that you've been working with. Also this year, and I just think this is so cool, you're going to be given one of these. The key is being one. That's the key. You're going to be given another invite card. And on this invite card is a really cool red box code. And so here's the purpose. Not so that you can get a free movie. That's, that's not the purpose. Because the purpose is we want to be givers, right? And so what we want you to do is to take these, one of these cards, and there's somebody that you've been um, hopefully thinking about maybe even over the last few weeks like I have. For example, they're, they're, what messed me up was I'm only going to get one of these, and I've got about five people that I've kind of been tilling the soil, you know, just, just trying to love faithfully over the last few months, hoping that Christmas Eve is going to be the day, you know. It's going to be the day that we actually get them in church. And one of the things that you can do is to say, we're not, I don't know what you know about church or your, your perception of church is, but, but we just want to be givers. So this is a gift from us to you. Whether you come on Christmas Eve or not, you get a free movie. Just to watch with your family. Is that cool? I wish I had come up with that. I've got, we got wonderful staff, and so they come up with all those cool ideas, and I just get a chance to get up and tell you about it. But it makes me so proud, and that, I'm really excited. I know it sounds like a simple thing to you, but again, I think it's another way for us to be able to share our heart with other people, that we want to be givers, not takers. So, um, if you haven't been thinking about somebody, then you should be thinking about them right now. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody that you work with. 
it, it's interesting because what I find that God does in my life is that he allows my life to intersect with some other people like he does that. And so you just have to have your eyes open because God will put you in, in, in the path of some really, really cool people that don't even believe that God exists, you know. And that's the people that I get to come across. And maybe there were some that, that believed that he exists but just aren't really sure about the whole church thing. And so those are the people that we want you to invite. We're not just trying to have a packed house on Christmas Eve. That, of course we want to be full, overflowing. But honestly, our heart is to be overflowing with, with folks that are desperate to hear the gospel. You with me? You excited? You pumped up? Cool. I think that one of the things that we uh, all kind of subconsciously or maybe even consciously hope for is, is to figure life out. I mean, I know a lot of followers of Jesus that are just trying to figure life out. We just want things to make sense. We want to know that all the things that we've gone through, all, all the hurt, all the pain, all, all the, the circumstances that we haven't quite been able to figure out, why we lost that job, why we lost somebody that we loved, why the things that have happened the way that they have happened, we just want to know, even for those of us that follow Jesus, if you're not a follower of God, I mean, you're trying to figure that out, but we are too. We just want to know that at the end of the day that it happened for a reason. We just want to know that somehow through all of the random circumstances and crises and the things that we've gone through is that somehow through all of that, God has still been at work and there's been some kind of grand purpose for it all. I think Christmas. This is one of the things I love about the Christmas story. And let me just say right up front, you know what, it, it's like, like we come to Christmas every year. I've told people this, Christmas and, and is really, really hard if you're a pastor. What, you, what are you hearing today? What'd you, why did you come today? What do you think you're going to hear about? Pretty much it's going to be Christmas, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of why you come. And so, you know, there's Mary and Joseph, and, and so you've got the shepherds and the wise men. And so, you know, there's only so many things that we can talk about. And here's what I've learned, that there's so much more in the Christmas story than meets the eye. And so sometimes what we do is we just read it without really thinking about what we're, about what we're reading. This morning I want to look at how God had a bigger purpose through the angelic announcements of the coming of His Son. Now this is kind of like something that you'd hear at church on a Sunday morning. And this is what I wrote. I wrote, the fact that God spoke up at just the right time. Well, let's be honest. It doesn't look like it was the right time. I mean, if you think about it, if I was, if I was God and I was going to send my, you know, if I was going to come to earth, if I was going to send my son to earth, I probably would have waited to a little bit different time when the hospitals were really nice. It wouldn't have been like his only choice was a barn. I probably would have chosen. So, I, you know, we, I wrote this down. I got tickled at myself. And then I said, then he, and he chose just the right people. It doesn't look like he chose the right people. I know, I know you're in church on Sunday morning. We'll kind of process that. But I think that what it'll do is, is actually going to give us hope that even when things you can't quite figure it out, even when things don't look exactly right, even when things don't make sense, is that God's still at work. There are actually four angelic appearances uh, of the coming of God's Son. And so in, in these angelic announcements, the angels literally tell us exactly who the child is. 
and, and I think he had to do, I think the angels had to do that because I think that if without their explanation, you would probably say, really? Like this is God's son that would be born, I mean the son of God is born into such humble, odd circumstances. I'm just saying that God's very own son being born in a barn, placed in a feed bin, logically just doesn't make sense. Again, I know you're like the high church people, right? 11 o'clock people, Sunday morning. But honestly, if you just look at it for what it is, you would think, I don't know if this really makes sense. So the first angelic appearance is to a man named Zachariah. And so for those of you that don't know, maybe you're brand new to church, Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. And although he never really shows up in any of your nativity scenes, he's a really, 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 really important figure in the story of Jesus, in the story of his birth. So important, in fact, that when Luke writes down the account about Jesus' life on earth, he begins with this particular guy. So let's kind of look at his story. Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Okay, sounds pretty good so far, right? It's a priest. All the people that love priests, pastors, say, yay. yay. I'm not convinced, but anyway. <laughs> who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. What do you think so far? It's, it's what you think, right? So an angel shows up, and so he's, he's going to speak to a professional in the business, a professional religious guy. He shows up to speak to a pastor. Most of us probably, you know, we're thinking, sounds pretty much like what you would think would happen. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Hmm. And so if you've been around church for a while, this whole idea of being too old to have children probably reminds you of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, right? Maybe that's one of those things, again, you've never really thought about. You've just read the Christmas story. You've read over these words. Maybe you've never went, aha, it sounds like it's happening again. A, a, a two people, a, a woman too old to be able to bear a child. Let's read on. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before the Lord, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw it, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. And you'll find this morning that every single time that there's an angelic appearance to an average old human like us, they were always gripped with fear. And I think I would be too, right? It's one of those things that you kind of pray for. God, speak to me. Speak to me. Lord, if you would just speak to me like in an audible voice. And then when he, if he ever does that, it would scare us all to death, wouldn't it? So again, it sounds like pretty normal kinds of stuff. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you're to call him John. So the short version is this angel tells old Zechariah that his old wife is going to have a son that will set the stage for the coming of the Messiah. That God spoke to a priest is like, that's not a big deal. 
Most of us would kind of expect that. In the religious world, you would just kind of expect that. The thing that catches us off guard is not who God spoke to, but when he shows up to speak. It's like, really? Even Zechariah himself says, he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and I love this next part. And my wife, well, she's well along in years. If you're a husband, you get that, right? You absolutely get that. Like, you're not going to turn to your wife and say, oh, woman, you wouldn't say that, right? Baby, you're just well along in years. I just think that's a hoot. I think God is so funny. He thinks he's funny. I tell him all the time, he's, don't give up your day job, God. You're not as funny as you think you are. But anyway, he thinks he's kind of funny. I just think it gives us hope. It would give hope to old folks. Hello, any old people in the house? Any ladies that are well along in years? (laughs) It gives hope that God's not done with us yet. One of my gripes over the years, over the last few years with the contemporary church movement is that everything goes to the young people. Literally, there, there have been a number of churches over the last few years that have said, you need to be, only be a certain age and weigh a certain amount to be on stage. Literally, I'm not kidding, that when you get to be a certain age, you're too old to be on stage anymore. We need to look pretty <laughs> as we stand before the folks. And I think, what happened to the days when old folks had something to teach the young folks? Is it because we're wiser than you, but we're smarter than you? We've lived longer than you. And hopefully, those years have have lent themselves toward giving us wisdom of experience and the things that we've learned through the mistakes that we've made. And maybe what we share with you as young folks is mostly our mistakes, but to try to keep you, to protect you from making those same mistakes yourself. So if you're old, God's not done with you yet. I think it also gives hope to those of us that have been praying and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on God to answer a prayer, and you feel like that it's never going to happen. It is going to happen. God's been listening, and He's very much at work in your life. The second person that God speaks to is through an angel is, is Mary, and this is kind of like the birth of Jesus 101. I'm probably not going to share with you anything you, know, you haven't already heard. In fact, every Christmas, somewhere in the story, you're going to hear about Mary. You should hear about Mary. She's the earthly mother of Jesus. So Dr. Luke tells us Mary's story. Here's how he starts it in Luke Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Wow, nothing new here, right? Same stuff you've been hearing your whole life. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Wow, there can't be any better news than that, right? So if God's going to speak... Like, if I always thought if God spoke to me, he was always telling me something I did wrong. Every single time. To hear God, like God speak, an angel of the Lord, for an angel to speak and say, you have been highly favored by God. you got to admit, you want to stand back, stick your chest out a little bit, and say, that's what I'm talking about. Don't you just a little bit? You want to strut just a little bit, right? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. And then listen, he'll be great. Woo! What I'm talking about. I'm going to have me a child, and he's going to be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. This didn't get any better than this, right? Good news. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So for those of you that are new to the context, which you may not know, and I actually wrote most theologians. Actually, I couldn't find any theologian that disagreed with the fact that they believed that Mary was somewhere between 12 and 15. Hello. 12 and 15. I even read that 12 would have been the youngest, and I even felt like one guy was stretching it saying 15 would be the oldest. 12 is the youngest, 15 would be the oldest. And let me just be honest, I've read that in today's culture, that just sounds, well, wrong. Hello? Y'all don't even know what to say to that, do you? You're thinking, well, now that you bring it up, it, 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 it sounds wrong. But it wasn't wrong in this culture. At this time in history, it was the norm. But let me just say that nothing after this was normal, not even for this culture. Could you imagine, could you imagine being 12 years old and having some angel visit you? Could you imagine? 12 years old. Think about the things you thought of when you were 12 years old. <clears throat> Think about the kinds of things that you would process and the things that you would go through at the age of 12. And then to have this angel say, oh yeah, you're going to get pregnant, but it's not going to be by a human. And honestly, I'm thinking, a 12-year-old? How much does a 12-year-old know about any of that? And what if the angel said, it's, it's, this is not going to be by a human, it's going to be a supernatural thing. And oh, by the way, you're not just going to give birth to a baby, but you're going to give birth to a supernatural baby. This is going to be the very Son of God. This is God, like in the flesh. I'm coming to earth and I'm choosing to come through you. And just so you know, <clears throat> this is going to be the Savior of the world, Mary. You're going to get pregnant. It's going to be supernatural. It's going to be by God. You're literally going to give birth to God. It's going to be God in a bod if you were here last week. And he's going to take away the sin of the world. Could you imagine being 12 years old and trying to process that in your own mind. I'm just saying that's not normal. And we want things to make sense. And honestly, I think that we would probably, really, in our culture, we would probably say, God, i got to be honest with you, I probably would have picked somebody else, uh, somebody a little older, a little more mature, a little more, with a little more wisdom. And even in this culture, it was a terrible disgrace to conceive a child before the wedding day. 
all the joy of the wedding day is anticipated by every young woman is just, just gone. Now, we're back to, but she has found favor with God. Wow, what a statement. But think about this. She found favor with God, but she will lose favor and honor with everybody else. <clears throat> How do you explain this to your parents? How do you explain this to your friends? How do you go to church and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm pregnant? <laughs> but it's a God thing. It's okay. I mean, who's going to believe you? And then if you fast forward to the end of the story, she has to watch this son. This son, who the angel said, he'll be great. He's going to be great. <clears throat> the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then suddenly there you are as a mother. And for all the moms in the house this morning, you're a mom, and you, you remember, you would never forget the words of the angel. You would never forget those words. They would be seared into your brain. And there you are on the day of his crucifixion, and you're watching that child, your son, who they said would be great, would reign on David's throne forever and ever, and you're watching that child die a criminal's death, not just that he dies. It's not like he was killed in a car accident. No, he was, he was crucified on a Roman cross as a thief, as a, as a criminal, between two thieves. And you got to admit, it just doesn't make sense. Then there was an angel who spoke to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. This story is found in Matthew 1, verse 18. It starts like this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So back in the day, a couple uh, was betrothed. And that was where they actually had the wedding ceremony and were considered to be married, but they didn't live together for a year. They didn't live together for a year. And if you read the commentaries, one of the things that they'll say is, is that the responsibility of this young groom, this young husband would be to go now prepare a place. And so he would do that. Oftentimes, it just really meant, uh, meant adding a room on to his, to, his, to his daddy's house. But he would go make preparation, then he would come back. I also read one commentator, and here's what he said. He said, this made sure that the wife had not had premarital intimacy. I love it. It was a commentary, premarital intimacy. Now, why didn't you just say premarital sex? It's a commentary. We got it. I don't know what they do. I want to make sure that she hadn't had premarital intimacy with anyone else. So there's like a year to see if you pass the test. So Mary doesn't pass the test. She fails miserably. And I don't think it matters what culture you're, you're living in. Getting pregnant by someone other than your husband can't be a good thing. It can't be a good thing for you. It can't be a good thing for the man that's involved. It can't be a good thing for your family. I mean, it just, it just can't be a good thing. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me tell you what occurred to me. I'm reading this passage. You know what I thought of? I'm weird. I thought, well, how does Joseph know that she's pregnant? How does, she, how does he know? 
What we don't know, what Matthew, Luke, none of the gospel writers, they don't tell us. So I don't know if maybe Mary had already told him. I don't know if like right after the angel would visit with her, I don't know if she goes and says, hey, we got to have lunch. I don't know how that worked out. I don't know how that, we need to go sit on the porch. This is a talk. I don't know how that happened. I don't even know how you tell somebody something like that, do you? Maybe he just notices that she's pregnant. We don't really know. We just know that he knew and that he decided to divorce her quietly rather than to go through this public trial. And this was an option for him. He was a godly man. He was a good man. He was was a man filled with compassion. Most men in this situation to find out that your wife, your, your young bride is pregnant, that he would even have this as an option is amazing to me. It doesn't make sense. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. So the angel says, hey Joseph, no worries. Like Mary, she's been faithful to you. And you, you can believe her, you can trust her. This pregnancy, it's, it's a God thing. I mean, it's a huge God thing. I mean, this is a major miracle. This is what your people have been praying for literally for thousands of years. It's the Messiah. So she's going to give birth to a baby. It's, it's God himself. <clears throat> and he's coming to earth, and he's going to use her to do it. And, and he's going to take away the sin of the world. So that just makes everything peach keen, right? Cool. Yeah. It's good for Joseph. But what are they going to tell their mom and dad? What do they tell all their friends, all their family? How do you, how do you communicate that kind of news? What, what do you tell all the people at church? Because, man, you know the people at church were talking, right? You know, she always seemed like, I just, she was a goody two-shoes. I knew, I knew something wasn't right. Can't nobody be that good. I mean, you can, you can hear the chatter, right? And, it, and it's not like this had ever happened before. It's not like that Mary could say, Mom and Dad, remember when Cousin Sue and she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Well, it's happening again. I mean, they've got nothing. Does this make any sense to you at all? It's a crazy, mixed-up story with young people and old people. The announcement to Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph came well before Jesus' actual birth, but God sent, oh. Boy, this one grips my heart every time. He sends one more angelic announcement. It's a fourth one, which is on the very day of his birth. It's the famous angelic announcement to the shepherds. And if you've ever been in church around Christmas, I mean, you've almost heard this every year. It's Luke 2. It's the Luke 2 passage, which starts off, In the days of Caesar, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
almost read this in King James because that's how most of you probably remember growing up hearing it. There was this first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. And then in verse 8, in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. So I read something I've never read in all the years that I've been reading and studying this passage. I read that somewhere deep in, in Jewish tradition was the belief that the Messiah would be revealed from this thing called the Tower of the Flock. Now the Tower of the Flock, this tower stood close to Bethlehem on the road to Jerusalem and the sheep that were pastured there, the thing that makes this so special is that the sheep that were pastured there, were just, they weren't just ordinary sheep. The sheep that were pastured at the Tower of the Flock were, were sheep that were raised for one purpose. They were raised to be offered as a sacrifice. So every year, every year a priest had to find a lamb. He had to find the perfect lamb, a spotless lamb. So he would take that lamb and then he would slit the throat of that lamb, pour that blood into a basin, and then he would offer that to God. He would go into a place called the Holy of Holies and he would offer this blood. It's a blood sacrifice that he would offer for the sins of the people. And this took place every year. And so I just think, wow. It is believed that this, these are the shepherds that when God decided that I'm going to go public, I'm not just going to tell Mary and Joseph, it's not going to be just a few close friends, I'm going to go public, I'm going to tell the world, he didn't go to a, a group of, of, of priests, you know, meeting at a convention. It seems like that would have been the most, that's where you want to show up, all, all, all you boys, get them all together and you want to tell them. You'd think it would be like at church on a Sunday morning, right? And he would have picked the, like, you know, like Springwell, the most godly church in town. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Uh, right, I mean, so you would, that's what you would think, but he shows up, and he shows up to these shepherds, and their job, their job had been making sure that these sheep were taken care of, and they were protected and kept safe, and so it's like, it's, it's like God saying, boy, you did a good job, and you've been faithful in one of the least jobs on planet earth, a job that's filled with stink and hard hours, but you've been faithful. I just think it's cool. I also read, this is one of my favorite parts, also read that these shepherds, I'm getting this straight out of a commentary, I didn't want to mess it up. These shepherds were more likely, more than likely did not observe religious practices since their isolation in the fields and the necessity of their constant attention made this impossible. And for me, that was like a double, wow. And that just doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to religious people. It, it doesn't make sense that when God decided that He's going to tell the world, He started with a group of, of, of shepherds, of stinking shepherds, one of the lowest jobs that you could have. A job with terrible hours that were out in the cold, that you literally had sheep dung on you. I mean, that God would show up to that group that were not a part of the local church. They didn't get to hang out with the local church. They weren't deacons in the local church. They weren't leaders in the local church. That this is who that God would decide. When I'm going to go public with, with the announcement of the birth of me, these are the guys I'm going to entrust with that story. I just think it's awesome. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. It's not just good news. It's, it's great news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in, in claws and lying in a manger. When Jesus was born, if, if you can just take off your religious classes just for a second, if you could take off your churchy lens, and if you just read the story as pure as it is, honestly, things just don't seem to make sense. It didn't seem to make sense that God would show up to an old man and an old woman and to say, you're going to give birth to the forerunner of the Messiah. It just didn't seem to quite make sense. Everybody would say, God, what? you know, you probably should have started with a young couple, you know? I mean, they're too old to have children. You know, and maybe their patience is going to be wearing a little thin. I mean, are they able, are they going to be able to take care of? I mean, you're looking at all these things, it doesn't make sense. And God shows up in the ordinary, in the mundane, and in the crazy and says, I'm at work. He uses a young couple, a young girl, maybe as young as 12 years old. He chooses random people, some that look too old, some that look too young, and some that look too irreligious. I just love that about his story. And I think the beauty of those pieces, of that story, can give ordinary people like us hope that God's at work in your life even when you can't see. I love the song that we sang. We did it a few weeks ago. Even when I don't see it, even when I can't feel it, God's at work. There's some of you that are followers of Jesus. And if you were just get level honest, you've just struggled. Maybe you've struggled this year. You've looked at all of the circumstances of your life this year, and there's been a lot of hurt and there's been a lot of pain. And honestly, it's just left you confused. And maybe you've wondered, God, what, what are you doing? How could there be any possible purpose. I mean, things are getting worse, not better. And I think the hope of the Christmas story based on truth, not based on wishful thinking. Remember that last week? Hope based on truth that this is exactly how God has always done it. And He's at work in your life even when you can't see it, even when you can't figure it out. You can still trust Him. Maybe you feel like you're just not religious enough. Man, I love what we do. I love the fact that we, we reach so many irreligious people. I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up. I love that you have no idea. I love watching y'all walk in. I love watching you walk in. And what gives me so much encouragement, because sometimes it's a little overwhelming, this life and ministry. And I watch you walk in the door, and I, and I go, ah, now that's a story right there. That's a story of someone 
who nobody ever dreamed in a million years would give their life to Jesus. They never dreamed that God would use somebody like them. And, and, when, and when you walk through the doors here, it's just different than a lot of churches. You know, I, it's just different. And I've been saying this for years. You, you guys, most of you guys don't have a, a rich tradition of going to church every Sunday. And so our attendance, and it's because we, you know, some of you guys, you think, man, I, I go once a month. I'm a regular attender. We go, actually, we do this every week. I don't know if you've got the memo. We're here every Sunday morning, 9 and 11. And you know what? I'm still just as thrilled when you walk through the door, no matter when you walk through the door. You are a part of this incredible story. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're one of those irreligious people, you know. And you thought, I I just don't know if I fit in. Here's the message that God wants to give you this morning. He's crazy about you. All he wants from you is a relationship with you. That's all he wants. And, and, and you, you couldn't have the relationship because you got this sin, this sin that we have, and it separates us from God. And Jesus, that's why Jesus came and he said, well, God said, i got to fix it, so I'll send myself. I'll go. And then he went to the cross. And what he did on the cross was he paid the penalty for our sin. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead, and he's alive. And maybe for the first time, maybe you've doubted the whole resurrection. You couldn't quite wrap your brain around the resurrection. And now you're sitting right here and you're going, well, it must be real. Because what I feel is, what you feel is the presence of God, the creator of the universe. Speaking to you, just like he spoke to Mary, just like he spoke to Joseph, just like he spoke to Zachariah, just like he came to those shepherds out in that field right now, this very moment, is God speaking to you. And he said, man, I love you. Give me your life. Trust me. Follow me. Just follow me. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then I'm just going to kind of pray a prayer and give you something to follow. Please don't get caught up in, i got to say the exact thing he does. No, it's just your willingness to acknowledge that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And that you're willing to accept what he did for you on the cross. And that you believe that he's alive. You're willing to ask Him to forgive you for your sin. And that you're just willing to follow Him. From this day forward, you just want to follow Him. You just want to get as close to Him as you can. If that's your heart, if that's your desire, then just say something like this. God, the whole story is just so crazy. It doesn't make any sense, and yet, It makes perfect sense how you choose to work 
how you choose to use the ordinary. To turn the ordinary into something that's beautiful and supernatural. So God, I'm telling you that I believe. I believe in your son, Jesus. And I thank you for the fact that he was willing to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe he's alive. Because what I feel right now is real. I can't explain it all, but I believe it's real. So forgive me of my sin. And from this day forward, I just want to follow you. I'll go wherever you lead. Lord, thank you for the beauty of your story. Thank you for the the beauty that's in these mixed up, random, crazy pieces of your story. That quite honestly to us at times just doesn't seem to make logical sense. You're amazing. Your love is amazing. You're incredible. That you allow us to do what we do. Lord, I pray that we'll always just be faithful. To be a reflection of you. Even through the simple things, Lord. Just being givers. That people will see a reflection of you who is the greatest gift giver this world has ever known. You gave yourself. And for that, we're grateful. We love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.